All right, well, good morning, church. All right, well, we're going to be doing Genesis chapter 40 and 41 this morning. Hope you brought your reading glasses. No? Okay, well, you're in trouble. Next week is Mother's Day. Are all you guys ready? <laughs> we'll be doing a message next week called, uh, What is a Mom? It's a needed message in today's, today's world, just in case people are confused about what mother's moms are. Um, and that's true. That's the title of the message, What is a Mom? So come prepared. Some might find it offensive. Here's a truth that we've learned, if you've been paying attention, as we've been going through Genesis, but quite frankly, pretty much all of what we, when we teach through the Bible. Uh, God's ways are not our ways, right? We've heard the phrase, we know it, right? Isaiah 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. It's, it's true. It's, it's very true. And we've seen it here in this story as we've been, you know, throughout all of Genesis, quite frankly, but also here in the story of Joseph, right? God sold Joseph into slavery through his brothers. And while he was in slavery, God does what? He blesses everything that Joseph does, and Joseph is very successful. He's made overseer of the house of Potiphar, as we saw last week. Right? And Potiphar was the captain of the guard for the Pharaoh, so he's like the chief of police, basically. And Joseph gets then falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown into jail, right? Don't, you know, go directly to jail. Don't pass go. Collect $200. He just got thrown directly into jail. And in jail, what does God do then for for Joseph? God blesses Joseph and everything that he does and gives very successful so that the head jailer is like, I don't have to worry about anything. I'm just going to put Joseph in charge. I can kick back and relax and I don't really have to worry about anything at all. So he makes him second in command. And though, so when we read through this, you might just see a series of unfortunate incidents mixed in with a bit of good luck on Joseph's part. But in reality, everything has a purpose, right? And it's because God is sovereign and God's the ultimate authority over all things. God's plan will not be overthrown, it will not be canceled, it will not be defeated. When God, what God says will stand, what he promises he will fulfill. So yes, God's ways are not our ways. He doesn't necessarily do what we expect him to do. I would say most of the time he doesn't do at all what we expect him to do or how we expect him to do it. He has a plan, he sees that plan through. We need to be willing and able to follow God's plan instead of our own when he gives us the curveballs, when he changes the route that we're expecting to go, when he shakes things up as far as how we wanted things to plan out, right? I'm sure Joseph didn't want to be sold into slavery. I'm pretty sure Joseph wasn't expected, expecting to be sold to the Ishmaelites and then to the, to the Egyptians and then be, you know, put in second in command in Potiphar's house and then be accused of something that he didn't do and thrown. I mean, I'm sure Joseph didn't, wasn't expecting any of this. This wasn't Joseph's plan for his life, but... This was God's. It was God's plan. And when, and when we're left to our own devices, what often we do is we choose a route or a path that, 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 that isn't necessarily the best option. It's not what God would want for us or what God would have for us. Because following our own counsel has never been a smart choice for any of us. 
And yet through God's sovereignty, despite that, right, through God's sovereignty, he divinely orchestrates our lives. Despite our poor choices, or even despite the poor choices of others, as it would be in the case of Joseph here, because Joseph didn't sell himself into slavery, right? So despite our circumstances, God divinely orchestrates everything that's going on, right? Despite Joseph being in jail, despite Joseph being falsely accused, despite all of this, God will see his will be done. And so we see that here plainly in the story of Joseph. Wrap your head around it, right? Because it's, it's plain. It's right here. Joseph seemingly understood this himself, or at least he was learning this as things went along. He seemed to understand that I'm just going to do my work for the Lord, and the Lord is blessing what I do. And despite the fact that this isn't exactly what I had planned out, it's not like it's a bad thing. The Lord is working out something good through all of this. God keeps making him successful. God keeps blessing everything that he did. We also saw this in the Psalm 105 that we read last week. I'm going to read part of it again. It says, Psalm 105, verse 16, it says, when he, that's reference to God, so when God summoned a famine and on the land and broke all supply of bread, he, God, right, had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Understand, this is God orchestrating everything that's going on. God summoned the famine, and God sent Joseph ahead. Now, Joseph probably didn't look like it, look at it that way. We might not have looked at it that way. Like, you know, because that, that, what that shows is, is God had a purpose in what he was doing. Right? He had a purpose for everything that he was doing. So when we take God's word for what it says, it says that God sent Joseph ahead of Israel to prepare the, prepare the way, as it were, for his family, yes, but not just his family. For the whole earth, because as we find out today when we read through chapters 40 and 41, the whole earth is affected by the famine. But he also summoned the famine, God did. So it's all part of God's plan. He summoned the famine for a reason as well. So God has a reason for everything he's doing in Joseph's life right now. He has a reason for everything he's doing in your life right now as well. If you have any questions or any concerns about what God's doing in your life, you're wondering why... Why are we, why is this happening? Why is things, things unfolding like, God, this isn't what I prayed for. Understand that God has a purpose. God has a plan. He's seeing it through. If you just keep your faith in what God is doing, understand that he's going to work it out. He's the one who can see the whole puzzle. He knows where all the pieces go. He sees the beginning from the end. We don't see the, heart, the whole picture. So just keep trusting God. He has a reason for everything that he's doing. So let's read Genesis chapter 40 and 41. 40 is a smaller chapter. 41 is a longer chapter. But the way it unfolds from now through the end of Genesis, it's going to be very rare for us. There will be a couple of weeks where we only touch on one chapter. But for the most part, almost every week now, just because of how the story unfolds, we'll be going over more than one chapter at a time. That's just how that it works out. It's not me rushing through it. That's just how the story works out. So... Joseph, in Genesis chapter 40. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. 
And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. And when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled, so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And then Joseph said to him, This is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done, done nothing that they should put me into this pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Chapter 41. After two whole years... Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile, and behold, there came out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass, and behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows, and Pharaoh awoke, and he fell asleep and dreamed a second time, and behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with his own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard, and when we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it is said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile, and seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. And seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows, but when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. 
And then I awoke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing in one stalk, full and good, and seven ears withered thin and blighted by the east wind, sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears, and I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. And then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years, and the dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will, be a, there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe." And the doubting of Pharaoh's dream, the doubling of Pharaoh's dream, means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants, and Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne... I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee. And thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaponeneth. Paniah, and he gave him in marriage Aseneth, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. So Joseph went over out over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. And during the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt and put the food in the cities. And he put in every city, the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. And before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Aseneth, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore them to him. And Joseph called the name of the first one Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, And Joseph, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you uh, for the message that you have for us today. Pray, or Lord, I just pray that your spirit speak it to us, because it's very applicable to our lives even today. So I just pray, Lord, that uh, you speak your message to us. And I thank you for your word and the power of your word. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right. So that's a lot, huh? But it's a it's all one story. It's all part of what's going on in Joseph's life right now. Now, it would take a long time, quite frankly, for us to try and break down every little part of, of those. And it's not important that we do it, to be, to be honest. Because the dreams are not the important part of the chapters. It's really what God is doing. And what God is using and what he's orchestrated and how he's putting things together for Joseph's sake and for Israel. And so sometime after the events that we read last week, we don't know exactly how long after, but sometime after it just tells us, sometime after Joseph was thrown in jail and falsely accused, etc. Sometime after that, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker are thrown into prison for, for sinning against the Pharaoh. That's literally what it means in the Hebrew. It says that they sinned against him. They committed an offense against the, the, against the Pharaoh. He was angry with them. He throws them in jail. He happens to throw them in the exact jail that Joseph is in, right? And Joseph gets put in charge of them. That's no coincidence, I'm sure, right? What we should remember about this, quite frankly, is that they were there for a reason. And the reason that they got thrown in that jail was to meet Joseph. That was the reason they were thrown into that jail. Now, no one knew that, but God knew that. No one knew that. Joseph didn't even know that. But that was the reason. God's working this whole thing out. He gets them thrown into the jail where Joseph is, where Joseph's second in command, and they get put under Joseph, and Joseph is there to take care of them. They're there. God put them there, and he orchestrated that so that they would be in that jail to meet Joseph. Okay? Oops. What did I just do? So he threw him into this exact prison where Joseph is, and Joseph is uh, appointed to attend to them. Now, I also want you to notice this, that though Joseph himself was a prisoner in the prison, and, but yet he was an authority over the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, he didn't make them serve him, he served them. And that's the first thing we see about Joseph's character here in these chapters. All that he's gone through, Everything that he's gone through up to this point, he's still doing his work unto the Lord. And he understands, right, that he's there to put their needs in front of his own. And he's there to attend to them. So he doesn't make them serve him, even though he's authority over them. He serves them. He attends to them. So one night they both have dreams. Right? To each his own dream, which means it's not the same dream. They both have two different dreams. They both have two different interpretations. If you remember in Pharaoh with his dreams, both of his dreams were one and the same. There were two dreams, but they said the exact same thing. So, and these weren't really pleasant dreams, right? Dream a little, no, it's not like, you know, sweet dreams, no. Nothing like that at all. These were more nightmares, quite frankly, because it, they troubled them. Their spirits were troubled when they saw these dreams. Just as this Pharaoh's uh, dream troubled him. So these were more nightmares. And there's a lot of typological meanings that people have pulled out from these dreams. And they spend a lot of time trying to dissect the dreams and break them down. Uh, you know, the contrast between the cupbearer and the butler is the spirit and the flesh and grape juice with the blood of Christ and the baker presenting his own works for salvation, three days, etc., etc. as they go through the dreams. I would just tell you, if you want to look into stuff like that, that's fine. Proceed with caution. But there is no specific New Testament scripture that would point to these being typological. 
That's just how God does things. There's always these things that are going to point to or foreshadow Christ or the way that Christ works. So we're not going to spend hours or days or weeks trying to unlock the secret of their dreams. They had their dreams for a specific reason. There's no big hidden mystical secret that needs to be unlocked concerning the dreams. But there was a purpose to the dreams. There was a dream. There was a reason that they dreamed a little dream. Right? And part of this reason, of course, is real simple. They'd been thrown into jail and they weren't sure how things were going to turn out for them. And I'm sure this was making them anxious. I'm actually surprised that they slept, quite frankly. Right? So that was kind of surprising. I mean, because you're not sure what's going to happen. The Pharaoh throws you into jail. Dreaming a dream is probably the last thing you're going to be doing because you're just going to be awake the entire time down there wondering if you're going to live till tomorrow. But there was an important reason that we can't, re- that we can't overlook. God gave them the dreams so that Joseph could interpret them. That's the reason they had the dreams. God gave them the dreams so Joseph could interpret them. And yes, we've discussed this before. God can use dreams to speak to us, but not every dream we dream is from God. And because uh, the devil can also use dreams to deceive us, right? And the Bible speaks of false prophets using dreams. Not all dreams are a revelation from God, but in this case, the dreams that they had were for Joseph to interpret and were to show specifically to the cupbearer, right? that God could interpret dreams through Joseph. And God is the only one who could interpret these dreams because God is the one who gave these dreams. Okay? So Joseph attended do- to them and he was concerned for them. Again, he, know, he, right, he put their needs ahead of his needs. He had an actual concern for them. He, after they had their dreams and he saw them the next morning, he saw that they were downcast, he saw that they were sad, he saw that their spirits were troubled, he said, hey, guys, what's up? Right? Why are you so sad? Why are you downcast? What's going on? Why are your spirits troubled? You don't like the moldy bread and the... No. Um, What's going on with you? How can I help? This is really amazing because often we're too concerned about our own issues that we really don't care about the problems of those around us. We're too busy in our own lives to notice what's going on with our neighbors. We're too busy dealing with everything that's been thrown at us that we sometimes can't even lift up our head enough to see what's going on with people, some other people. But yet Joseph, he had a desire, a true desire to meet the needs of these two prisoners. He was more concerned, like I said, about their situation than his. Remember, he's in jail too. He doesn't, you know, he's in jail. Falsely accused, mind you. And that's just Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, in case you want a verse for that. Right? Right? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I had a pastor who once told me, uh, he said, if you want to quit worrying about your own problems, worry about someone else's. Right? And that's what, that's what Joseph is doing. He's not focused on his issues. He's focused on theirs. Hey, you know, he's not just making polite conversation with these two prisoners. He's truly concerned about what's going on. Why are you so troubled? What's going on? He actually cared. And I think this is why they felt freely to discuss their dreams with him, because they could tell. Joseph was actually truly concerned with about what was going on. So they share their dreams with him. And Joseph's, you know, they're like, we have these dreams. We don't understand what they mean. And Joseph's like, well, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me. God can interpret those dreams. 
I'm going to make an assumption at this point. Most people knew that Joseph served God. I mean, it had been quite well known. He had made it well known, but maybe they didn't. But, but, but he says, listen, you know, I serve a God who can interpret dreams. So tell me your dreams and he'll interpret them for you. Right? So the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, they, they tell, I mean, no, the chief cupbearer and the chief bread maker, whatever, the baker, they tell him their dreams and Joseph immediately interprets them. Now it's not his interpretation. It's not his wisdom. It's the wisdom of God. It would be foolish for, for Joseph at this point to try something stupid and be like, well, let me tell you what your dreams mean. Ho, ho, ho. When in three days it was going to be found out whether or not that was true. Right? Now, this was good news for the cupbearer. It was bad news for the baker, unfortunately. I'm not sure if the baker wanted to believe Joseph or not. It doesn't really go into that. But if you received the news that the baker received, you might have been like, you can't interpret dreams, buddy. You don't know what you're talking about. But in three days, as it turns out, it was the Pharaoh's birthday, and the cupbearer would be reinstated to his office, and the baker would be hit, killed, hung on a tree. His head would be lifted up as he was hung, right? And it showed that, you know, because Joseph was obedient and faithful to deliver the good news as well as the bad news. Which is really the same for us when we're sharing the gospel. I mean, we, we have to tell the truth in love, but the truth that we tell to people um, is good news, but to some there's bad news because what we are doing is contradicting what their lifestyle tells them is right. Right? That's not the correct choice to make. That's a sin against God. That is immoral. Well, no, it's, it's perfectly fine today. It's, you know, everyone does it. It doesn't matter, right? What Joseph was found to be then by uh, interpreting dreams and the dreams coming true was that he was found to be a true messenger of God, right? He was found to be a true messenger of God. And that was for the chief cupbearer. So he, he could see that. And Joseph tells the chief cupbearer, the one he gave the good news to, he's not going to give this message to the chief baker, of course, but uh, he tells him, hey, when you're reinstated to your position, put in a good word for me, right? Because, hey, I'm falsely accused. I'm down here in jail. But when you're reinstated to your position, put in a, a good word for me. Because, you know, Joseph wasn't stupid. He wanted to get out of jail, and he would try to find every, any opportunity he could to do so. This isn't a lack of faith on Joseph's part. It's just him like, hey, maybe there's an opportunity. Maybe God's going to get me out this way, right? So he tries it. Hey, put in a good word for me with the Pharaoh. Yet, of course, as soon as the cupbearer was back in his comfortable position, back in his place of authority, back serving the Pharaoh himself, he immediately forgot about Joseph altogether. There's a little verse in Psalms 146 which is applicable and one that we should all take to heart concerning things like this, which says, put not your trust in princes or in the son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. And on that very day, his plants perish, right? Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. In other words, you can't put your, you can't put your trust in other people and man and other people of authority and other, you know, for us, that would be, politicians. You can't put your trust in politicians. You can't put your trust in anybody in any authority above you in any place because they pass away. Guess what? His plans perish at the same time. He's no help for you. you you're looking for help from that person. He's going to leave and go somewhere else and forget all about you 
It's not going to help you in any way. There is no salvation found in man. So Joseph would have to be a little more patient because it's all in the Lord's timing. And the Lord's timing, as it turns out, was about two years for Joseph. Right? So Joseph's going to have to be a little more patient. Now, when we talk about Lord's timing, there's something for us to just think of here really quick and just to remember concerning Joseph. When Moses knew that he was supposed to lead his people out of Egypt, you can find this in Acts chapter 7, how old was Moses? He was 40 years old. Okay? How old was Moses when he actually led his people out of Egypt? He was 80 years old. Right? How old was David when he was chosen to be king? A youth. How old was David when he actually became king? He was 30. All right. How old was Paul when he met Christ on the road to Damascus? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. That's a trick question. Right? But, but how long did Paul train before beginning his work as an apostle? All right? There's, there's yeah, three years plus another 14 years. You have like at least 17 years Paul training before he began his missionary journeys. I mean, Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old, but we know from the Gospels that he understood his calling back when he was a youth. When he was a youth in the temple teaching the scribes and the Pharisees when he was what, 13 years old? Something like that. So what that just shows us, what the Bible shows us there is that we have a period, possibly a long period of time, possibly a long stretch of time, possibly during trials and or times of captivity, quote unquote, in which God grows us to do what we have been called to do. And during this time, he's going to do the work that's important to him, which is develop our character and transform us into the image of Christ Jesus before he sends us to do the work. So this whole time that Joseph's been in captivity and serving Potiphar and then in jail, right? And then two years he has to wait before the cupbearer remembers, oh, oh, I forgot to tell you, Pharaoh, there's this guy down in the jail that can interpret dreams, right? All that time is God growing Joseph and preparing him for the role that he has for him. So we need to look at those times, right? There's a quote from Dave Guzik that says, uh, all men God uses greatly, he first prepares greatly. Few are willing to endure the greatness of God's preparation. God orders both our steps and our stops. So we have to remember that God orders both our steps and our stops. So be patient and wait on the Lord. Because that stop that you might be in currently, God is using just as much as he is when he has you on the run. So we get into chapter 41. It says, after two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. Behold, there came out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump. Right? And then there came seven ugly cows and thin. And they came up and then they stood, they ate the plump cows. And it was a a nightmare. (laughs) I mean, cows meant something in the Egyptian religion of things. And uh, it, cow was the emblem of Isis, the goddess of fertility. And all these dreams work that way. I mean, when you have the chief cupbearer and he dreams of grapes and putting grapes in a cup. And you have the chief baker and he's dreaming of food and baskets. And, and the pharaoh is dreaming of cows, which was an emblem of Isis, the goddess of fertility. And he's dreaming of grain. And, and Egypt was thought of as the as the the major country for for wheat and grain and stuff like that that you know these things spoke to them in a way that they understood their dreams they were were vivid and articulate in a way that they understood even though they didn't understand exactly what they meant the imagery they understood 
So two years later, the Pharaoh has a couple of bad dreams and they trouble him. The first one wakes him up. You ever been woken up by your dreams? I mean, you're just sleeping, dreaming, and all of a sudden you say, whoa, jolt awake, right? Maybe you sit straight up in bed. Maybe you're sweating a little. You're like, that was freaky, right? Maybe you watched a horror movie the night before and you can't get to sleep or whatever. You don't even have to watch a horror movie in our house. All we have to do is just watch something a little bit weird, and next thing I know, no one's sleeping very well. Hudson asked me the other day, he said, Dad, did you ever have a dream where you just wake up suddenly? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, that happened to me last night. I said, yeah. I went back to sleep, though, he said. Which is true. We generally just fall back to sleep. So did Pharaoh. He just went back to sleep, and he had the second dream. Like I said, now dreams are a big deal in the, in, in the Egyptian way of life. Dreams, they want to know what they mean. The chief cupbearer and the chief baker, they were in prison. Had they not been in prison, they could have gone and spoken to the magicians and the occultists and, and the wise men and everything, just like Pharaoh. But obviously they didn't have that. But Pharaoh wants to know what his dreams mean, so he summons all the mystics, right? He summons all the magicians. He summons the occultists. He summons his barber. He summons whoever will come <coughs> and interpret his dream for him. But none of them can interpret those dreams. None of them can interpret these vivid and terrifying dreams. <coughs> Julie, can you give me a glass of water, please? So as I said, you have these sleek, seven sleek and thin, or fat cows that come out of the Nile, and then you have these seven ugly and thin cows that come out of the Nile. And the ugly thin cows, they eat up or they chew up, literally in the Hebrew. <coughs> the fat cows, Yuck, right? That's a disgusting dream. That's just what you want to see. And then he dreams again of these seven ears of grain, which happens to be wheat, not corn. And, uh, and they grew up plump and good. And then there's these seven ears of grain that grew up thin and scorched by the east wind or whatever. And the thin ears swallow up or they engulf the plump and the good ears. It's weird stuff. No wonder his spirit was troubled. I mean, if you had a dream or even remotely close to that, you'd probably wake up and go, oh, you know, can't believe what I dreamed last night. Here, let me, can you take the lid off for me, please? I can't drink through that. Maybe. Yeah. Thank you. You would have been troubled having those dreams too. I mean, those are weird dreams. And it would seem by the dreams, Pharaoh was smart enough to understand that it would seem by the dreams that there was some sort of crisis that was coming to Egypt. Now, he didn't know exactly what that was and what it meant or anything like that, which is why he called everyone together and said, come on, interpret these dreams for me, please. Yet all the magicians and all the wise men of Egypt couldn't put Pharaoh back together again. I mean, they tried, but they didn't know what the dreams meant. And Pharaoh knew that they were significant, but no one could give him a suitable explanation. And then, as God had planned it, in God's timing, the chief cupbearer, click, light goes on his brain. He says, oh, I screwed up. Sorry. I remember now, two years later, that there was this guy down in the prison when me, when you threw me back in jail, Pharaoh, you remember when you threw me two years ago, you threw me in jail? Yeah. And you had the whole investigation going, but it turned out I was innocent. And you hung the baker guy instead. Remember that? Well, when we were down there 
in jail, we had these dreams. We had some weird dreams ourselves. And there was a guy down there in the jail who, who we told our dreams to and he interpreted them and they came true exactly as he said. Well, Pharaoh, he loves this news, right? <clears throat> it says that he calls for him and they quickly get him. He's like, bring this kid up to me now. I want to I meet this kid now. Get him. Right, so they go drag Joseph out of jail. They clean him up. Says that they shave him, which means they shaved his head. Right? You can't. You're not going to be meeting the Pharaoh with hair. Okay? You got to. They got to shave your head. Be bald. They wash him up. They clean him up. They put on probably some good clothes. And he goes and he meets. Right? <clears throat> the Pharaoh. Proverbs twenty-one one tells us that the king's heart is a stream of water into the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Just so you know, God is the one orchestrating. Follow this. Okay? And there may be long periods of time when it seems that God isn't doing anything in your life. Right? But when God is ready, and when his timing is right, then everything's going to come together. Fast, possibly, and quickly. There may be a time where you've been waiting on the Lord, and one day he tells you, buckle up. Right? That's why we have to be ready. Why we have to be, be sober, alert, and ready. Because the Lord is always working, even when we don't see it. And he's going to one day come up to us and be ready to go. Let's go. All right? So they clean Joseph up. They give him a shave. They present him to the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh tells him, listen, I heard you can interpret dreams. And this was a chance for Joseph to glorify himself. But Joseph, what does he do? He says, I can't interpret dreams. <laughs> Wrong answer. Right? But still, Joseph is serving the Lord, right? Joseph says, listen, it's not me. I can't do it. God does it. God can interpret your dreams. So tell me your dreams. Right? He glorifies God, not himself. Remember who you do your work for. You do your work unto the Lord. So Pharaoh tells the dreams to Joseph. Joseph tells him, hey, your dreams are one. They're one and the same. They're the same dream. They're two different dreams, but they mean the same exact same thing, right? And the Lord is going to tell you, he repeats this to the Pharaoh twice, right? The Lord is going to tell you, the Lord is telling you what he is about to do, right? There's going to be seven years of plenty, and then there's going to be seven years of famine, which is going to be so bad, the famine's going to be so severe, that you're going to forget about those seven years of plenty. You're going to forget that those seven years of plenty ever existed, that's how bad the famine's going to be. And he repeats the message as it tells us here. It says it tells it to him twice. Right? The doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. But then, So he had the dream double, but then Joseph uh, tells it to him twice as well so that he understands the severity of what's about to happen. And so Joseph says, listen, you need to choose a discerning and wise man. You need to put him in charge of all of Egypt. You need to take a fifth of the produce of the land growing during the seven years of abundance. You need to store it, and you need to let the food become the reserve during the seven years of famine. This is not just a what-if scenario. What would we do if this actually happened? What would we do? Listen, Pharaoh, if this dream actually comes true, this is kind of what you might want to think about doing. Why don't we draw up a plan? This isn't a what-if scenario. Joseph's not saying, um, if this happens, do this. Joseph is saying, this is going to happen. You better do this right now. Right? And the Pharaoh understands because it says that the Pharaoh, it all seemed good to the Pharaoh and his servants. They were like, you bet. That's a good plan. Let's do it. 
Matter of fact, this is Pharaoh's response, right? You see it in verse 38 of chapter 41. He says, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? And in other words, what Pharaoh is saying, listen, is that, listen, I need to look for a discerning and wise man, but there is no man as discerning and wise as you, because in you is the spirit of God. So Joseph, I found the man I want to do this. I want to be in charge of all this. And guess what? It's you. You're going to do it. There's no one else like you in all my land, in all the land, right? Because they understood, they recognized that Joseph was a man with unique spiritual abilities and he stood apart from the rest. Because in him was what? Was the spirit of God. They didn't have that spirit. Joseph had that spirit. This is one of the first mentions, by the way, of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. So he says, Joseph, that's your job. You are the man to do that job. I can tell right now. You are the man to do that job. So he sets Joseph over all the land of Egypt. And he gives him the signet ring. He gives him fine clothes. He puts a gold chain around his neck, right? I mean, Joseph's looking, woohoo, bling. Look at me now, mom. Right? He puts him in their chariot. He goes on a tour around Egypt. Right? The Pharaoh says, this is the one who's in charge right here. Whatever Joseph says, do it. This is the guy. All your people bow your knees to Joseph. He's in charge of all of this. He names him uh, Zaphnath Pania, which is a Coptic name. That means the person who reveals secrets. A lot of people think that, they're, that it's really hard to discern what that name means, but just talk to someone who's Egyptian. They know what the name means. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh. So 13 years after he entered captivity, he gets put into this role, this leadership role, this role of authority. 13 years it took for him to get there. But this was on God's timing, not Joseph's, Right? So Joseph gets married to Asenath. He has two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. They're Hebrew names, not Egyptian. They become two important tribes of Israel. Joseph becomes an exceptional manager of the grain during the next seven years as all the earth basically lived on about 25% of what had been available during the seven good years, which just goes to show you that people, when they have to, can get by on much less than what they're accustomed to. I'll just tell you, be prepared for that. I think my kids will starve, but... I think he just has a house and home as it is. But here's the picture. Here's a picture, one picture to take from this, which is Jesus, Joseph, excuse me. (laughs) Joseph blessed the world with bread. And he was the only source of bread for the entire world. It's an interesting picture. Listen, God orchestrated this whole thing. He was the conductor. Everything that happened and will happen had a purpose. God used dreams to put these puzzles into place. He used Joseph's dreams to annoy his brothers and to have them sold in captivity. Now he uses the dreams of the cupbearer and the cook and then Pharaoh himself to put Joseph in the place of authority over all of Egypt. The Pharaoh says, go to Joseph, whatever he says, do. Right? Joseph will have been in Egypt 20 years when the, fa- when the famine starts. And in that time, God had prepared Joseph for this specific purpose. And he will continue to do so, continue to strengthen Joseph, continue to guide Joseph. And, and though Joseph could not have anticipated such responsibilities, guess what? He was prepared to assume them when God called him to do so. So this is what I want you to take with you before we take communion together. You may not have someone come up to you and ask you to interpret a dream because they're troubled. 
by some nightmare they had the night before, right? These dreams and nightmares that the cupbearer and the baker and the Pharaoh had, that gave them a spirit of fear. It says that they had a troubled spirit. Joseph looked at them and he saw it. He said that they had a troubled spirit. They were anxious and they were worried. I saw this quote this week. It said, worry is trust in the negative form, trust in the unpleasant, assurance in disaster, and belief in defeat. That's what worry is. Joseph saw that they had a troubled spirit, but what did Joseph have? Joseph had the spirit of God. Ruach Elohim, right? The spirit of God. That's why Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Is there anyone in Egypt in whom there is the spirit of God like there is with Joseph? And his answer was no, there isn't. There was no one. Joseph is being led by the spirit. The wisdom that they were looking for to lead him out of the trouble that was coming was where? It was with Joseph. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So you may not have someone come to you and be like, I had a terrible nightmare last night. Interpret my dreams for me. But you're going to have people come to you with troubled spirits. You're going to have people come to you who, have, who are going through difficult times right now and watching what's going on in the world. And they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to proceed. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm worried and I'm anxious. I'm not sleeping. Everything seems to be going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know what to do. Well, guess what? What are they looking for at that time? They're looking for someone who has wisdom, who can give them an answer. And you who are in Christ have wisdom because you are led by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God leads you in truth. And the Spirit of God is not a spirit of fear. So when they have a troubled spirit and they see you, they come to you looking for wisdom because they can see that you're not troubled. Why are you not worried? Why are you not panicking like I'm panicking? Right? We are led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God leads us into truth. So you have something that other people are looking for. You have wisdom. You have discernment. You have answers because you have God's Word. That's what Joseph had. Joseph had God's Word. He said, God can interpret those dreams. I can't do it. God can. So he waited for God's Word. This is what God's Word says about your dreams. Well, guess what? God loves us so much. He's given us exactly what's going to happen. He's told us ahead of time. He's orchestrated and planning out everything that's going on. He's the conductor. And he says, hey, listen, this is how it's going to look like. This is what it is. So when people come up to you with troubled spirits, you can say, I have an answer for that. It's not my answer. It's God's answer. I'm not speaking on my wisdom. It's God's wisdom. God's spirit is right here. It's in his, it's his word right here. Let me tell you what it says. Let me tell you where it leads you. You have something that other people are looking for. Something that gives you peace in the midst of a storm. You have something that makes you stand out amongst the others. Something that testifies to the hope that you have in Christ Jesus that they don't have. Right? Other people, all they have is troubled spirits. So they may not come to you, like I said, one in their dreams interpreted. But they will come to you for answers concerning their troubled spirits. And like Joseph, you then can be used in those moments. God will use you in those moments to speak the truth in love, right? The whole truth, the good and the bad, as Joseph did. Joseph had to tell someone that in three days, the Pharaoh was going to hang him. People don't like to hear that news, right? But stand firm, don't waver, be ready at all times to be able to just 
give the word of God. To give people the hope that's found in Christ Jesus. God can use you and he's been preparing you to do just that. And he will continue to do so. God can use you if you allow him to do so. So you need to look towards the needs of others. right? As Joseph did. You need to keep an eye and your heart open to serving others. Right? Who are in need. Be prepared to do what God has called you to do. Because God will call you and God will use you to lift up the heads of those who are downcast. Because when we're downcast, we're just looking down. And all, most of the time, we're just looking at ourselves. Oh, woe is me. It's self-pity, right? But you're going to lift their heads up and point it towards God. You're going to lift their heads up and point it towards Jesus. You're going to turn their faces towards Jesus. And you say, listen, I know somewhere. I know someone where you can go. And your hearts will no longer be troubled. That's Jesus. He's the answer to all that you're looking for. He's the answer for everything. Your hearts are troubled right now. I got the answer. It's Jesus. And that's how God will use you to do that. And you need to be aware of it. You need to keep your eyes open and be alert to it. Because if we're just focused on ourselves, we're never going to notice that stuff. Joseph was in jail and he wasn't focused on himself. He was focused on the other two people who were troubled. And he's like, what's up, guys? We need to be the exact same way. Amen? Amen.